Hello, 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 listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm really excited because not only are we continuing in this series where we are learning some incredible stuff from some incredible female leaders, but our Right Side Up community on Facebook is growing. I know that Facebook is a bad scene in a lot of ways. I know it's been a very divided season in our culture and especially on social media, but we have a safe and protected space for you to be able to have real conversations on what it takes to live and lead healthy right now in these trying times, in these disorienting moments and seasons that we are living in. Right now, we have been having some great threads and conversations and early podcasts heading out to you, videos, all kinds of things. And so Rightsiders, just want to say thank you for participating in that community. You can get to know some of our coaches over there. And we've got some really fun stuff coming up um, that we're not going to share here on the podcast. But you just have to go over to the community. It's free to join just the Right Side Up community over on Facebook. Also, we want to say thank you so much to those who are supporting at-risk leaders through our upstream campaign. We want to go upstream from all the bodies that are falling in the water, in the river. And we feel like us and many other ministries and agencies and leadership development organizations are chucking bodies out of the river. And we see there's a lot of pain right now. There's a lot of hurt among leaders and just among humans right now in our culture. And we want to be part of that. But we are a development organization. We want to help leaders develop what they need to live and lead healthy, to live and lead right side up in this upside down world. So we are going upstream. We are going upstream to be able to catch leaders before they are burned out. If you're feeling overwhelmed, but not yet burned out, please jump in the community, investigate coaching, keep listening to this podcast. We want leaders to avoid burnout, to live wholehearted, to continue to live and lead as God has designed them for the long haul. And we do believe that that's possible. And so leaders that are coming upstream with us to help at-risk leaders right now, we just want to say thank you through the upstream campaign. We're praying for a hundred givers to be able to give at least $10 a month, even a one-time gift of $100 helps to scholarship at-risk leaders to receive coaching that helps you clarify and experiences that help you replenish. And so guys, we're just grateful. We love seeing those emails come across through our platform over at Storehouse. You can check that out, storehouse.world. We're one of the creators over there. You can give to the Upstream campaign for as little as a couple of burritos or a couple of cappuccinos per month. So guys, we continue on in this series. Uh, dudes, we are hearing specifically from ladies here for about a month on the podcast. Ladies, I think you'll be so encouraged um, by all of these voices. But everyone listening today, we have a serious leader who is serious about biblical community, about where that meets leadership and culture. How do we create healthy cultures around us? We're getting a lot of questions on the right side of community about how do we create healthy culture? How do we avoid toxic culture on the teams that we're part of, the teams that we lead over? You're not going to want to miss this interview with Bailey Hurley. She cares deeply about friendships. She's cultivating friendships online, teaching both men and women how to cultivate biblical friendships. This is one of those really timely messages. We desperately need life-giving friendships. And I just want you to ask, just take an honest assessment, one to 10 right now, how engaged are you in meaningful life-giving friendships? How engaged are you in meaningful life-giving friendships? 
because I can tell you if you are low on this spectrum, then it is not going to be a good season for you. Right now, cultivating friendships, I believe, should be a priority for every single leader. We need community. That's how God wired us up. Like it or not, we are not to lead alone. And the danger of isolation is everywhere. I am concerned about leaders who are isolated and choose to remain isolated. So we're going to talk about that today on this episode of the podcast. As always, guys, we're crazy enough to believe you can live and lead right side up in an upside down world. We don't care who you are. We don't care what leadership role you have, whether you're at the top and you're leading thousands or whether you feel like you're not leading anybody, barely struggling to lead yourself. This is the place if you want to get healthy and reach more long-term sustainable impact. So guys, enjoy my conversation with Bailey Hurley as we continue in this series on the joys and challenges of leading as a female. Bailey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alan. You have a lot going on. I love podcasting. Like that's just something... Bailey, that like I'm not suffering on the other end of the mic here. I absolutely love interviewing people and finding out more about who they are. And as I was just kind of looking over your website, you are really, really unique in a lot of things that you are called to. And you have a master's in leadership and mm-hmm. your heart beats deeply for biblical community. So talk about those. How do those two collide in your mind? Yes. You know, at the time when I graduated, I had a very different perspective of how I would use my leadership degree. I think there are still elements I thought I would be teaching. So teaching people, specifically leaders, how to be healthy culture creators. And so as like the year shifted, um, and I think, you know, I became a mom. So some of my priorities shifted too. this idea of community, still raising up what maybe I could say like lay leaders, um, raising up or just women, just raising up women to use their gifts to create these cultures wherever they are, whether it's in their mom circle, whether it's like at their job, whether it's in their church, like I wanted to see them feel confident to, to do that first confident to just say like, I can do this but then confident to say, like, how can I use maybe my areas of hospitality of, um, I think even just like empathy and compassion. And also that, like, I'm trying to say, not say motherly touch, but I think using those things to say, then how can I create communities that are like thriving, healthy, feeling like they are sent out to go and do more. So it's interesting that like, I do see that leadership aspect, but it's just not being taught in the classroom or being taught to CEOs of Denver. Like it's happening with women who maybe feel like they have nothing to give, or they just feel like, oh, my, my area of influence is so small. And being able to say, no, like, please let me tell you how we can identify your gifts. And then even just giving you that encouragement to, to go and and try something new, go try to start that book club or, um, you know, maybe that exercise group or that Bible study. So I just think that there's so much empowerment can do in people who feel like they're not leaders, um, and encourage them to, I always say just at least to, to try to put themselves out there and kind of bring together a group of people and see the, the gifts that can come from that. Yeah. And the world is so hungry for that right now. I mean, the last 13 months have been brutal on community 
And, you know, talking about parents, our kids have needed us in so many different ways that we kind of never quote unquote signed up for as parents. And what a crazy season. So I'm curious for you in the last 13 months, um, how has your passion or desire uh, for community changed through the craziness of COVID? I think it's highlighted everyone's need for community. I will say that in like my coaching before the lockdown, you know, a lot of the things that I was kind of targeting were a lack of commitment in community, as well as people just being a little self-focused. So a lot of it was get off your couch and go and participate in community, right? And now it's like everyone's been on their couch. So they're (laughs) a little tired of that. And so I will say that the narrative has changed a little bit from this idea of maybe you were overcommitted, you're doing too much, especially in this Colorado culture. Um, You know, people are very engaged with the different activities and concerts and restaurants and events that are happening here that it was very much this push to like, you need to commit to a small group of people and start seeing the rewards that come from that. And so now it's more this idea of like, we just need to, to be with people. And like, now you need to kind of find creative ways to create meaningful experiences with people, because I know that it's just different, even for our family, like we still are taking a lot of precautions, but at the same time, we're willing to go the extra mile in those precautions as long as we get to be with people and having those heart-to-heart conversations. Um, so I I feel like this year has been really tough. And I think even coaching women, it's been very hard because there's just some things you can't control and there's just some things you can't do. And so it's been very much, what can you do? And it's not very fun, but it is this, like, you can still pick up your phone. You can still get online, like on zoom and do things like that. Or you can still sit apart. It's been cold in Denver, but I've still taken some walks outside with friends in like 20 degree weather, um, just to be together. And you know, what's really cool is the university of Austin um, they just did, or I should say university of Texas in Austin, they just did some studies last year. So like fall 2020, and they found out that having multiple 10 minute conversations on the phone, like significantly decreases your loneliness. So for folks who are still kind of like poo-pooing on, like, I don't want to be on my phone anymore. I don't want to FaceTime anymore. Like there are still real signs that this will connect people. So I think that's been at least in the last 13 months, that's still been my encouragement is like, I'm sorry, I know it's hard and you're having like phone fatigue, but like it's so it still is worth picking up your phone and calling someone to create those moments of connection. Yeah. And we're so lonely right now as a culture. And I think like we want to normalize loneliness and just that idea of like, it's a normal human thing to talk about. And yet we, you know, pretend like we're not lonely at all. I mean, you can be lonely in a crowd and especially Mm -hmm. after this season. And yet we're trying to really call out isolation and say loneliness Mm -hmm. is a normal human feeling and human emotion. Um, that that's part of it. A lot of leaders talk about a loneliness of leading at the top of an organization and yet, or even in a family and yet isolation is so dangerous. So I just think your message is so timely right now, forthcoming book about this as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I see 
leaders and often say leaders need friends. A lot of leaders have a lot of people who need them, but very few friends. So that's what I see from my vantage. I'm curious, what do you see regarding leaders and friendships? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think leaders get a lot of flack for saying that they like can't maintain friendships um, or that they like can't have healthy ones. We used to joke um, in seminary, we'd see all the counseling students like huddled up in study groups and they're helping each other. And we're just like, man, us in the leadership program, like we just, we don't collaborate. (laughs) We just do stay in our own lane and do our own thing because we can't work together. So I definitely think there's a stereotype that leaders just like really struggle to have those positive connections in their lives. And I would just say having been a leader and having been so, like you said, so isolated, it just makes that position so much worse. Um, And so I just encourage leaders of all kind, you know, again, finding those safe friends that you can share with and being able, I think, to, to put your, get yourself out of those isolated positions and be really vulnerable and honest with those people. Um, I, I have sensed that my own personal healing has come from letting people in, even though as leaders and yes, I'm a type three on the Enneagram. Like I do not want people to see that I'm weak or that I'm broken, um, or that I'm struggling. Like that's just been, I think, a a narrative of my life uh, for a very long time. And it's always in those conversations when I've been pushed to the edge that I finally say, like, I'm, I'm destroyed or like, I cannot do this anymore, which I don't want people to get to that point. I don't want to see leaders get to that point. So that's why I say like, please, like in the in-betweens, finding safe people, being able to like honestly bear yourself in the things that are hard and in the failures you're experiencing. Um, there's so much fruit in that. And again, I truly believe friends are a gift. So like, again, I believe that there's like life in sharing life. I'd love your honest opinion, maybe even stereotypical. That's fine. Your opinion. Do you think women are better at seeking out friendships than men? Mm, That's a good question. (laughs) Permission to be honest, just your opinion, not a (laughs) massive cultural statement. I'm just curious. I want to say yes, but also women are just so much more mean to each other. (laughs) So I want to say yes, because I have, you know, been married to my husband for almost six years. Like I see the way he does friendship. It's very different than the way that I do friendship and it works for him, but also the amount of like, uh, I would say friendship struggles that I experience. like he just doesn't deal with those things. So I will say that I, I think women are, are just looking for more connection. I'm not quite sure what, what is in us to do that, um, to like just be seeking friends and wanting women around us and wanting to do fun things with other women where my husband definitely enjoys those things. But I think he can get more focused on his routines of maybe work, exercise, family, and that's enough for him. Um, And he has these moments though, where he's like, man, I really need to see my friends, you know? Um, But I definitely see women wanting that constant connection. Maybe even has to do with our different communication styles. Women can like just communicating more and having more capacity for that. I see myself texting, FaceTiming, Marco Poloing, sending TikToks like throughout my day to different friends. Um, And I just don't think that my husband like does any of that. His capacity is like, I need to get my work done. Sure. 
Sure. I'm, I'm just curious. Thanks for humoring me there. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about competition among female leaders. Why is there competition among female leaders? Yes. So there was a study done and I wish I had the specific details. I like found these facts probably like five to seven years ago, but I still believe they're a hundred percent true. But in the working world, a lot of women who are, let's say like on top, so they are the leaders, they have felt like they've had to work really hard to get there. Like there was no easy way there. They had to fight and scramble maybe for their position, especially if it's a male dominated workplace. Um, And so when it comes to a woman who is like coming into the company or coming into that workplace and she wants the help from the older woman, or she wants, you know, some guidance and direction. There is just a lack of help there because the woman feels like, no, like I did this on my own. I'm not going to make it easy for you. I'm not going to allow you to um, basically take my spot. Um, And so I think that there's a lot of different reasons, I think, for competition, whether it's just jealousy and insecurities. But I do see, I I can definitely relate to that idea of I worked hard to get here and I'm not going to make it easy for you. You don't just get to come and I'm going to give away all of my secrets, all of my, you know, different, different trades just so you can make your way to where I am. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Cause I see all kinds of different perspectives on that. I see some massive female communities, especially online I mean, massive female communities supporting one another, raising one another up. And so I think what I'm hearing is that that's pushing against a lot of the norms and Mm. and is actually saying we need to band together right now and we need to help one another. And so I'm very encouraged by what I see, hearing some amazing stuff, by the way, in this series on female leadership, learning a ton myself, just kind of as a student of leaders, I'm saying, man, I need to study more about the other 50% of leaders um, that I, I don't as intuitively understand. So thanks for your perspectives on this, Bailey. I so appreciate it. Um, life-giving culture. That's one of your passions to help create life-giving culture around you and to see others create that. We have a right side up community online and we're getting a ton of questions, Bailey, about mm-hmm. how to create a life-giving culture, how to avoid toxic culture. So could you give two mm-hmm. or three keys Um, that people are going to need, that leaders are going to need in order to build life-giving culture around them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first is creating a culture that celebrates. Um, I kind of take it back to my context of my husband and I, we've led a small group of men and women for five years now and started with, you know, five people. And we've had people come and go, but we have a group of about 20 people. And when my husband and I set out to create, I think this long-term community, we kind of said, we want a culture that celebrates and has traditions. And I know what you're thinking. If you're like, man, I'm in an office, like this doesn't make any sense. Like it does. Like if you think about your office company playing March Madness together every year and yes. you always go out to dinner for the championship game. That's what I'm talking about. Like a culture that has the traditions and has lots of opportunities to celebrate. And so this is just a silly idea and people can take it as they want. But one thing my husband and I did is we have cake day, not in the last year, but we have cake day. 
And what it was is at the beginning of the month, so the first of every single month, we'd invite people over for cake day and we'd bake a cake and we'd go around and we'd sing a cake day song. And then the best part was that there were no plates, just forks. So everyone had a fork and you would just dig in until the cake was gone. And this was an opportunity for, I think, that continued connection. It was outside of our formal meeting time. It was fun. It was, there were not a lot of like expectations or guidelines around it. Meaning, you know, hey, we're having cake day at seven o'clock, like come on over, but maybe you stay for an hour, maybe you stay for 20 minutes. Um, And that was so vital for our group in the first like couple of years that we were meeting. People really looked forward to cake day. They were excited when a new person came to the group and they were excited to show them cake day. Um, something people could count on and look forward to. And so I often encourage people like, what is your tradition? Like, or what is your thing that you're going to celebrate that gets your people excited? Um, I think the sillier, like the better, um, even as adults, like we need, we need the fun and we need the silly. It's okay to be goofy. And we sing this song that we literally make everybody sing. And it's like a chant basically for cake day, but like, it just makes you uncomfortable. I always say how, how better to uh, break the ice than make people sing in front of each other. Um, (laughs) And so, yes, I say like what, yes, more celebration, whether it's a monthly thing, whether it's, you know, revolves around the the calendar of events. So, you know, Christmas parties and maybe a a Thanksgiving lunch for your, for your people, or um, even yes, we love basketball at our home. So yes, even a, a basketball thing where you, you know, you promise to take everyone out to the same restaurant every single year at the championship game night. Like it's just so much fun. Um, so I do think that's one really vital way to create a life-giving culture is creating life. If you just keep things to kind of that formality, like when do you get to really know each other? When do you get to laugh together? When do you get to just have fun? Um, it's really important. That's good. And the second thing I would say, again, it kind of relates, but having a family mentality. Again, one thing my husband and I constantly prayed over for our group, because these are not people, we did not choose these people. You do not choose your coworkers. You do not choose your team. Sometimes you do not all the time. And so when there's that, just that difficult person to love, we were praying for affection, which in C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, he describes affection as a love that is a mutual respect for someone. So this doesn't mean it's a feeling, it's a choice. And so we say we choose, we want to see people choosing to see something great in each person in this room and having that sort of um, mindset create a mutual like love and respect for each person. So I will say after having led a group for five years, we probably have had like 45 people come and go. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time when someone didn't like someone. And I know that sounds like we're, I'm making it idealistic, but I think it was an, an answer to prayer. And I think it was Tim and I's perspective of saying like this person, you know, we're in our thirties and that's a 24 year old guy who loves drumming drums and like we don't have a lot in common but like wow like I love when he shares like he has so much depth and he brings like he brings in worship lyrics that speak to him and applies it to the conversation and the passes passage of scripture and like it makes it so rich for our conversations and so I think finding things about each person on your team that you're like okay 
even if this is the most difficult person for me, like I can see this about them and respect it. Like, I think you're going to create that family attitude. Like you're, you can't get rid of each other. You're, you're stuck with each other and like, you're going to make the best of it. And being able to create a culture of affection saying we are going to respect each person here. Um, that is again, like it'll breathe life into your community. And I also believe it will breathe longevity into your team. Mm, That's good. You talk about females having a superpower in creating culture. Please tell me more. (laughs) Yes. I, I just think, I mean, I am a woman I'm biased, but as you should be, as I should be, but man, women just have a little bit of spunk and I think a heart to make things like beautiful again. I know I'm like, that sounds so cheesy and so surface level, but I just see that like rest restorative nature in women. Like we want to, we see things and we want it to be brighter and we want it to be yeah, more beautiful. So what I see that happening in culture is women just excited to freshen or like refresh the people in their group, their encouragers, their caretakers. And that's just needed in a community where I think people are in different seasons of life. Um, Maybe they don't feel seen or known. I really do think women are going to take the extra step and extra mile to say, I want to hear more. I'm listening. And then I kind of like, I want to, I want to care about that and do something about that to make you feel cared for. And you need that nurturing nature in a culture I think for it to really be in a healthy place versus a culture that is just so focused on the agenda. Um, I think about my husband, he was working for a company that was just, man, it was awesome. Like I, I wish I could pinpoint it outside of like the way that they took care of their employees, but they just loved their people a lot. And when things came up, like there was no question that Tim could take care of the family first. And there wasn't even like hoops to jump through to do that. And then he started working for someone who just like had no family value whatsoever. There was no wiggle room. There was no opportunity to be heard if there was something going on at home. And so I just, and it was hard. It was hard and we didn't feel welcome there and we didn't feel at home there. And I just think that women can kind of always be on the lookout for when those lines get crossed from agenda focus to being people focused. Yeah. Well, we're, we're talking in this series, uh, very honestly, very candidly about the joys and challenges of being a female leader today. So let's start with the joys. What are some joys of being a female leader today in this moment, Bailey? Hmm. Wow. That's, (laughs) that's a great question. I have not thought about that. I would say that I do feel that there's more a applauding of women. Like there's more excitement around women leaders these days. I feel like their voices are being heard more and respected. Um, and I think just that alone is, is a gift. And for myself, having spent some time in leadership in a church setting, you know, there was definitely a season where I just really didn't feel respected. I didn't feel like my, uh, my talents were we're going to compare to a male's talents. You know, they were definitely, they were less, less than. And even in the last year, I've had, you know, staff members who I worked with at the time in the community come and say, wow, I've just been like learning 
like learning about women in leadership more. I just, I feel like the Lord has worked on my heart and like, I am sorry for all of those moments. Like I kind of, I think just having a, a renewal of what it looks like to bring women alongside in leadership. And so I guess I would just say like a joy is that I, I think there's a little bit of an enlightening um, happening and even just that alone, like I hope that gives current women and then future generations of women that much more courage to to do what they feel called to do without um, being told that it's, that they're just, they're not enough. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing. Of course, now what are the challenges of being a female leader and and kind of speak to the guys, help us understand what are those challenges um, that female leaders face? Mm, I would probably say just, just pre prejudgments. Um, I am not a man and I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but yeah, I think there's just a little bit of that idea that they know better than we do. <laughs> and so I guess I'd say that just feels, it feels hard. It feels hard to fight a battle with people who think they know what's best. And so that's, I would say that's a challenge. It's hard to, I think, insert your opinion about something and have it be taken with the same weight of a man's opinion. So um, I feel like that's maybe all I can speak into that at the moment, but the credibility that comes with being a woman, I think it's still seen as, as less than a man's credibility. Thanks for your honesty. We really appreciate that. So it's actually, it's been an amazing series hearing from some really high capacity female leaders. And obviously we're getting some of the same trends. We're hearing some of the same things over and over again. And so I know it's not an easy thing um, to share about, but just really appreciate your perspective on that. There's um, there's a woman or 10 listening who has a dream in their heart and feels either discouraged or like they can't do it, or like you say, less than what would you say to that woman? Encourage to sort of reach through their their AirPods here and mm-hmm. and speak life into them to that woman who has a dream, but she's scared. What would you say to her? Mm-hmm. I would say find what you can with what you have and do it anyway. Um, I thought that I would be working in the church and that just didn't work out for me. Um, I felt like it was a culture that was going to stifle the things that I had to offer. And there was definitely some wrestling and there was some sadness and tension, even in my own heart of where, where do I stand um, with what I have? And like, where does it fit in? If it's not the church and it's not the business world. Like, where do I go? And I just kind of allowed the Lord to move in ways and be open to something different that it ended up being a door of, of writing and being able to write for, you know, Christian women publications that to me, like it still was so true to what I wanted to do. It was just different. And I didn't have a background in writing. That was not like my education background and I hadn't had formal training, but I just did it anyway. Um, And so I just really think if, if whatever, if you are feeling limits because you have a family, if you're feeling limits because of the opportunities at your workplace, my encouragement is to like find those outlets where you can try, try whatever it is you're wanting to do and, and do them. Um, so I think it's okay if it never leads anywhere, if it doesn't lead to your full-time job or it doesn't, um, 
I don't know if it does, it's not like your new title or position, but if it just gives you that opportunity to be using your gifts, um, like that is so, again, I'm like, it is so good. That's so freeing. And that's probably where you and the spirit are going to like meet together and you will feel so filled up when you're doing those things. So maybe it's a volunteer opportunity. Maybe it's something you do from your bedroom with your friends. Um, who knows where it could take you, but that is my encouragement. Like despite the limits, go ahead and find those open doors and, and step through them. And also this is something I personally learned, but like, don't be afraid to ask in whatever capacity, maybe that means or speaks to you right now, but don't be afraid to ask because again, like the worst thing you can hear is no. Um, don't be afraid for me. It was like, don't be afraid to ask if you could write on this person's blog don't be afraid to ask if you can kind of intern with this with this author. For me, it was kind of in that writing area. And sometimes there were no's, but then there could there could be yeses. And so that's my other kind of kind of thought for for you if you're feeling like scared or you're feeling um like maybe you're not ready. I say ask, ask for the things that you're you're interested in looking for. And who knows what can come from that. Awesome. Well, maybe the most important question we've asked uh, so far, this is kind of that mystery question here at the end. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you find yourself face-to-face with The Rock. The challenge is, how are you going to make The Rock cry? You can use (laughs) any method possible. Obviously, he's a mammoth man, but he does have weaknesses, Bailey. What weakness will you find and expose? How are you going to make Dwayne The Rock Johnson cry? Oh man, it's gotta be about his mom, right? Like what <laughs> what boy does not does not have some sort of deep-rooted sensitivity towards their mom? So oh. I don't know, but that's that's where I would start. I mean, I'm not super, you know, familiar with the rock's background, but I'm assuming he's got a soft place for his mom. There you go. Straight, straight to the heart, Bailey. Yeah. I, uh, again, we save the best for last, uh, the most important question. So <laughs> grateful uh, for you coming on today and just all the work you do around community and cultivating community. I can't think of a time where this uh, message and your coaching and your cohorts and and sort of collectives online are needed than right now. So I just want to encourage, encourage you and, and challenge you to keep going right now. We do live in a lonely culture that is desperate for community. So You are right here at the right place at the right time. Where can Mm -hmm. folks find you online and and engage in what you're doing? Yes. If you want resources about friendship, like a variety of topics from the good, the bad, to I just want to make friends for the first time, um, you can head to my website, baileytherley.com. And that's where you're going to find, yes, like a library of tools. But if you're wanting more of that, you know, conversational day-to-day things, um, then I'm only on Instagram and it is bailey.t.hurley. Um, and that's where you can kind of find me. And even, you know, I'm definitely great about answering direct messages and things like that. So if you're wanting to have more conversation, that's probably where you can find me. Awesome. Well, Bailey, thanks for coming on and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Man, some really good takeaways there. And I just want to bring you back to what she's talking about in regards to creating a healthy culture around us. If you want to create a life-giving culture around you, two very simple things you can do. Have joy, fun, and celebration. We desperately need to celebrate. People need to be affirmed right now in the little things they're doing and the big things that you're doing that they're doing, creating a culture of affirmation and celebration. And the second is 
rituals. What rituals can we create? She talked about cake days. Maybe for you, it's something really, really simple you can do every Friday. Maybe you are enjoying the March Madness season and you can come together around basketball and you're having tournaments there. Maybe it's something really, really simple or really, really fun that you want to do at Stay Forth. We have this bad habit of socking people. We love giving away crazy and ridiculous socks. I'm wearing my pink donut socks right now, which make me hungry, and I wish they were scratch and sniff, but we love socking leaders. That's just one of those little rituals that we have at any of our experiences where we're face-to-face with people. What is that for you? Because we desperately need leaders to help create life-giving culture around them. Guys, we've got a life-giving community for you called the Right Side Up Community over on Facebook. It's free. We want you to jump in and participate. And no, we're not going to let people hurl insults at other people there in that community. We are carefully cultivating that so that you can help get practical thoughts and ideas and encouragement and inspiration on living and leading right side up in this upside down world. Guys, we're so grateful that you would take time to listen. We've been with you today as you're washing dishes, as you're running, as you're walking. I also want to say, guys, this summer, the podcast, we have some really cool changes coming up. Can't talk about those quite yet, but some really amazing changes. We're going to experiment in some ways I think you are absolutely going to love. So you got to keep listening to hear more. We'll catch you over on the Right Side Up community. But every Tuesday and Thursday, we release a new episode that helps you lead right side up in this upside down world. Catch you next time.